0: Save the king!
1: Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Anne Gripper. It's been um, a well busy week in the uh, discussion of Royal and possibly less busy in the actual doing of events, but there's still been plenty to talk about. So it's great to have Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers here with me again. Russell, I mean, this is the third week we've been talking about the book.
0: <laughs> I know, this, so it always tends to be the case, is not it? Oh, we won't do much on it. I can't think that it will reveal too much more what else is there less to say and yet here we are many many weeks days hours later and it's uh it keeps on going and not only that i mean it's not just the sort of the pr rounds that um that have been done for the book and mr scoby has been doing himself appearing on television and whatnot over the last uh, 24 48 hours but obviously there's been a huge fallout and um and i suppose if if you're being a cynic, it's probably the the, the PR that they would have dreamed of, I, I think, the publishers, because we are all talking about it. It is leading the agendas. I mean, it's, I've even seen it on the, the TV news and uh, that's pretty pretty much a good barometer to, to how many people are, are perhaps talking about it. Maybe, maybe not interested, but I think it's it's certainly interesting and the semantics of what's happened.
1: The big thing that's happened in the last 24 hours is obviously, I mean, who knew that it was going to be the Dutch version? It was going to be stealing all the headlines.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and and this is the issue, isn't it? Because when you have a sort of hu- a huge, gigantic product such as this, that has been transformed and in, translated into many, many languages, as uh, as his previous book, Finding Freedom, was, it's sort of global bestseller. The intention was absolutely magnified for this book due to the um due to the interest uh, of Finding Freedom. So. Yeah I mean let's break it down where are we at now I mean the 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 book itself has had many many headlines I think most uh, interestingly because this race row has been reignited um some of my ask why, I mean the, Harry and Meghan didn't choose to reignite it certainly in their Netflix series, we didn't hear about it in Harry's book, uh, we saw him being asked by ITV's Tom Bradbury about the sort of racist language or um, connotations of the language used and he was, you know, he was he was pretty taken aback by that, that um, language used by Tom Bradbury, he said well, we, we never said racist, it, well, it wasn't racist, it was unconscious bias and then you get into the The issues which Harry and Meghan are trying to get forward that they believe that members of the um, institution or indeed the institution itself is guilty of unconscious bias and this learning process that Harry has been on himself um, growing up, having children, marrying a mixed race woman. And so I think it's interesting that Omid would want to reignite this, but it is a big issue. And and I mean, he's been speaking on... American television over the last few hours saying how he didn't feel as though it had been explained or settled and certainly he felt that it was interesting that they hadn't wanted to go further on it and then he did some sort of digging himself and found out that there was this letter from um, the Duchess of Sussex to the King where she sort of spelt it out and then um, he has said himself he knows the identities of the two people. Now, it became two, we only ever thought it was one. To Harry and Meghan's credit, I suppose they always referred to as them or that we didn't want, we'd, we'd, we didn't want to make it a, a, an issue for them. It would be damaging for them. But it was always thought that it was one person and now it appears that there was two people at the centre of this complaint by Meghan and Harry. Meghan had written to the King after the Oprah Winfrey interview. Interestingly enough, he was the only person to engage with them after that interview and I think all the sort of um, the background of when you look at whether the king was cutting Harry off, not willing to engage with him. Well, that just proves that, which well, we've long said that, yeah, pretty, pretty disappointed, um, but he never wanted to lose contact with his son. And you know, people at the palace would always tell me and trope out the line, like yeah, the king loves his sons equally and dearly. And, you know, there's, there's, all, all is perhaps not well, but he doesn't wish them any malice. And I think that that, the fact that he was willing to engage with them is really, really important. So, my understanding from from the book that I've read is that then when Meghan wrote to him, they they pretty much had a differing of opinion, and that the King had had spelled out that the, these issues were not as Meghan believed them to be. Um, but there was a differing of opinion on it, and it was just left left at that. And then since then, we've had the netflix series the the book there's been an awful lot of mudslinging from the other camp i would say and relations are pretty pretty strained there may be some green shoots of a new relationship um on either side on both sides um after that conversation that they had after the king's birthday or in the king's birthday the video calls from the grandchildren but um but this won't be helpful and you look at how the palace reacts in these situations Often they don't say anything. I and mean,
1: they're presumably in bunker mode, well, aren't no, they? Just it pretend is, it's right. not going on and wait until it comes out the other side. Well, they
0: will be. And, you know, they, they will be taking legal advice on this. I mean, the, the identities of two royals have now been published in the Dutch version. Well, um, cock-up or conspiracy. Well, again, so... The, the, is the,
1: it a translation mistake, mishap, well, where the people who were involved in in the context in some way got caught up in it you know language can be tricky but if you're translating a whole book you would hope that you would know the the role of a person within a sentence and it's the quite sensitivities as well yeah. of
0: this major issue and it i mean there's there's two issues the, the the first and foremost issue came to light because a dutch journalist had put it on twitter and he had said that the identity of one of these people has been made public and it is referring to the private correspondence between Meghan and the king, and it discusses the issue of those derogatory marks. I'm not going to drop the bomb here, but it says, but in those private letters, an identity, identity was revealed and confirmed, and then there's a semicolon, and then the identity, name redacted, of course, by us and on this podcast, but in another entirely different passage. Now, just flip-flopping a little bit, but you could imagine that that could have been an error. Yeah, it could have been a translation error, the identity of that person, their title, was put in in error because of extra context of that page or that chapter or whatever. But in an entirely different passage, it came to light quite late last night because we were still going through the book with um, our Dutch counterparts, alongside the details of Meghan's letter to the king, um, in which she notes that the conversations had taken place by members of the royal family, the English version says it was, um, uh, sorry, that does not feature in the English version, but is in the Dutch version, says it was revealed that X and X took part in such conversations about Archie. Now, that may seem quite clear, but it isn't clear because of the context of the sentence or paragraph surrounding it once more. So I think what is interesting, speaking to the Dutch journalists, is they are saying that perhaps the first part that only names the singular person, is possibly more nailed on. And the second part that names two people, because of the context of that sentence uh, or paragraph, is less likely. However, it is interesting that those two people are named. And certainly the, the, the issue for the palace is that, how do they react to this? Do they just pretend it's not going on and they don't say anything They, you know, the old adage never complain never explain don't say anything hope it goes away but we are what two, three, two days in now the juggernaut of this book is you know taking off I mean it's being mentioned on all the sort of uh, big TV networks Omid Scobie is doing a UK interview on British breakfast television tomorrow um, and so daytime television shall I say and which will be very interesting because he has said himself pretty much nothing to do with me, Garth.
1: Yeah, for his, I mean, his for his part, he said he never named the people involved yeah. in any version of his tra- of his manuscript. Yeah, and um, yeah, and that for the for reasons of UK law, he is not naming them in his book, so that's why why he hadn't included them. So,
0: well, I think well, I think that there is there is three there is three issues here. So, is it an error? Uh, and it's a, just a simple translation um, mistake. Is it that the Dutch version was taken from an earlier manuscript or draft and it wasn't the signed-off version? Because you imagine in any copy that we may write, in any um, production that is made, you'll try and get as much as you can out there into it. And, you know, the lawyers come along and they say we can't say this for legal reasons, we can't say this or that. And Omid has himself said, I can't reveal the identities because of UK law. So had he, and I don't know, but had he written a draft, early draft, uh, imagine there were several, um, and that then was edited down to the English version that somehow managed to become the Dutch version, or is this a conspiracy? Is this... PR that you couldn't even dream of, and it's got everyone talking about the book. Um, I I would very much doubt it's the latter, but it is a nice conspiracy theory because of the heat that is coming onto this book already. I mean, there has been a lot of um, hyperbolic language used this week to describe Omid's book. It's shameless, it's shameful, it's it's just disgraceful, it's hurtful. I mean, everything you could think of, all superlatives, but let's all calm down a little bit. Omid has an agenda. I mean, you know, I've never, um, I mean, I used to get on very well with Omid and I thought he, he was perfectly pleasant and then he sort of disappeared into the ether from the Royal Land as he was making connections with the Sussexes and that was very apparent and... You know, he he had an insight from the Sussexes themselves that information was passed to their aides to then be given to him and he knows people in their inner circle. So, of course, he's not going to, like, burn his bridges and he's not going to say, well, they were massively at fault and they got the wrong end of the stick. He is putting their agenda, as much as his own, forward. And I do think Omid genuinely believes that the monarchy is in trouble i mean the book is called endgame he talks about the fact that they need to evolve in order to uh survive that there is possibly william or george being the last monarchs of of, of the of, of the british monarchy
1: he's not the first person to say oh, that well, of I mean, course I, not, you know, know number of a number of other authors on on the pod i mean even before the queen died to sort of talk about what is the longer term future of the monarchy and after the death of the queen it's natural that it's a bit of a sort of a reset and you know and state of the nation in the 90s we? as well though I weren't they? so but I, I mean i think part of it is always there's that fascination of like how much have harry and Meghan, or Meghan, particularly sort of colluded in some way whether it's directly or via aids and you know to know that there was correspondence between Meghan and the king and to know the content of that correspondence, there are a very small number of people who would have access to that you would, material. You would think
0: so, wouldn't you? You would think so. And that, I mean, the, the, so I, the, the sources must be impeccable. If they're not from the horse's mouth, they're very, very close to uh, Meghan and Harry. And so, I mean, I do think that Omid has a point in some of what he's saying. I think there is an awful lot that he is mistaken about. I think the characterizations of some members of the royal family um, I mean, he he talks about uh, the Duchess of Cambridge now, the Princess of Wales, talking about, uh, being very very cold towards Meghan, not giving her a chance, shivering when her name was mentioned. I mean, these are pretty, you know, sort of playground tittle tattle almost, isn't it? And and I think that there is there is a wider aspect to the family that you know we won't hear of of their opinions about. Um, Megan and Harry, and how it all sort of shaped, and this this the whole business of them going their own way and leaving everybody in the lurch, and doing Oprah and Netflix series, or whatever. I'm, I'm sure it's some of it's pretty unsavory, but. You know there 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 is a there is a point to omid's book by saying that the the monarchy does need to evolve it's just the way that it has been put forward and of course then you have the agenda of why has this race route been reignited I mean omid says himself he thought that it was interesting that it hadn't been mentioned and he felt that um it hadn't been settled and I suppose a lot of people would say that well we didn't hear from the diversity czar didn't really materialize we didn't really hear what the uh, the context of the investigation was it was farmed out to some sort of uh, very um, opaque legal firm that we never heard the findings of it was all kept in house and is that good enough for a publicly funded body I mean I would argue that it isn't I would argue that we should have heard more I was speaking to someone today about how wouldn't it have been great if the royal family put it all out there and say yeah we do need to learn lessons in the way that the household is run in the way that our uh, the makeup of our staff is not as diverse as it should be they haven't even hit their targets for the past few years um and that would be quite refreshingly honest but i don't think we're quite there yet
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you whatever happened to all of that review well, stuff precisely. and where they don't did it. Ever, yeah. ever arrive. And now if they did, you know, even if it wasn't now, it would look like they were doing it as a reaction or after the fact, because it, you know, so much water has passed under the bridge now. And I think the other thing with Amy um, Scobie and his book, so I, I asked our listeners how they're feeling about the book and got quite a lot of messages back. And I think it's fair to say nobody particularly wants it on their Christmas list. Some people are enjoying having the you know, drama armor around it and other people are just trying to ig- avoid clicking on stuff. I mean, um, Karen Fuller says, "'It's exhausting and petty, may it wither on the vine.'" Abigail Medford said, extremely entertaining. I started royal watching when my first child was a newborn and now four years and two more kids later, the Sussexes are still serving up unintentional entertainment. I think my favourite part is that this book is called Endgame. How many... No, this is the last time we'll ever talk about the royals' books have we had at this point. It's just so funny. Liz Stevens just said, hashtag waste of money, hashtag waste of time, hashtag I didn't buy it. But I think it's the kind of thing where either you are team it is divided and and Royal Watchers are kind of mostly divided even if not necessarily in the extremes but lean into the Sussex camp or lean into the you know the Buckingham Palace camp and if you are in the Buckingham Palace camp you're going to not want to engage with end game and you're going to think it's you know it's all an agenda and it's you're not going to place value in what is said. And if you're in the Sussex side of things, you're going to read it as a, a you know, sort of a, a biblical account of everything that happens and this is the truth and light. And, and they're light all doomed. Into- <laughs> I mean, they're, this <laughs> is, all this doomed. is the thing of
0: that. Where does, where does Omid go now? Maybe he doesn't want to do any more raw books or raw reporting because once you've said that, it's all nearly over and you've, I suppose, trashed all the... The characters in the in the main plot, then where does it go? I mean, th- there is there is possibly no way back for him. Does he care? Probably not. I mean, he's had two massive bites at the cherry. I still think it's interesting to read, but I think some of the characterizations are perhaps. Um, you know, about wrong.
1: Yeah, one listener did say, "I think he's hitched his star to the wrong royal couple." And I'm sorry, I didn't manage, I didn't note it on my notes, but it has stuck with me, and I just wanted to share it. And so, apologies that I don't have your name written down, but I thought it was a pertinent. point. Well, they
0: were the right royal couple at some stage, weren't they? Everybody thought they were going to change the world, and there was a lot of goodwill behind them. I would still argue this when they got married, and it was a a, a huge. Groundswell of support for them and about how Meghan could change the monarchy for the better. But there was
1: a useful word in there it's royal. They mm. were a royal couple. Precisely. And now they're in a whole, whole different world. They are indeed. I mean, Kate came off quite, I don't know.
0: Not well. I mean, coming off, you know, someone's going to call you cold and dismissive and rude and, you know, petty that you're shivering if someone mentions your name. I mean, if most people think grow up It's what more do you want I mean the, the depictions of her as lazy I mean some may argue that the, the Prince of Wales and Prince of Wales don't do enough work do they do I mean I've said that in the past I haven't used the, the term lazy but I've definitely said you know do they do enough day to day for the British taxpayer coin is it coin? visible enough as yeah, well I well, think that's part I, of it I suppose if you're only doing and this is a problem again back to, we seem to be repeating ourselves, but with William saying, we just want to concentrate on bigger, smaller number, but bigger projects. And we're going to almost tear up the rule, but back to the Cambridge way is how it was put forward. Um, you know, they, they are interesting issues for the future of the monarchy. Are people going to settle for that? Do, do people want the monarchy to be more visible? The Queen says you must be seen to be believed. You should be out in every community. You should be working hard. I mean, fair play to the King and the Queen. They are doing the work. They are out every, you know, every week, two, three times a week. You're seeing engagements. and uh, I don't think we see enough of the Prince and Princess of Wales. However, when it's written in the context of Omid Scobie's books, it takes on a whole different meaning.
1: Princess Anne having the hard line on Frogmore Cottage as well. I, that oh, I like that,
0: yes. Oh, yeah. The royal enforcer. I do <laughs> like the, the, the sort of depiction of her as the enforcer. There's not a lot said about Anne, but, I mean, maybe it's plausible. I'm not sure. Wow,
1: there we go. Uh, so, we'll see what happens. See what happens next as the, uh, the book rumbles on, whether it'll be... Well, it'll
0: be interesting tomorrow because Omid, Omid is speaking on... This morning on British television. Space time continuum. Yeah, being so check t- that out earlier it's, today. It's going to be interesting because whatever he says, they, if they've got, um, you know, any journalistic nails, which the presenters often do on this morning, they will put it to him about how on earth are this, these just errors? These are full paragraphs and they should actually nail him on that point.
1: Russell's going to drop off some skewers. I mean, I'm later next door on.
0: tomorrow, so I might pop in. You on rain again? Yeah, are you? I, am, yeah, I will so catch, catch Russell
1: on the telly. Catch Russell <laughs> on the telly every Thursday. Um, so it'll be interesting whether it ends up just being the book equivalent of chip paper, as we are in newspaper land so yeah. often. Comes, yeah. comes and goes. Again,
0: it's very. It's just. It's 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 divisive, isn't it? And you're in on camp or the not? But it's, I think it's an interesting read.
1: We have an interview with a different author next week. Uh, because I'm I've got a I've got a week off, so I'm oh, giving Russell lovely. a break as well. So Ian Dale, author of Kings and Queens, I spoke to a few weeks ago. He was great. So I really hope you enjoy listening to that next week for a very for a different Perspective and lots of um, interesting chat, so enjoy that one next week. But before we before we adjourn, let's talk a little bit about some of the other bits and bobs that have been going on. William was out with the Mercian Regiment. He was wearing his full military military fatigues. Didn't go for camo on the face though. For the yeah, you know, he, did, he didn't rock it as well around in Kate the mud. In, a,
0: in the fatigues, did he? I mean, for poor poor Will's.
1: I thought he looked all right. So there was a couple of bits where he's like posing, listening to people. I mean, it was better when he was just like
0: tanks. I mean, and she stuff. was in the in the field. With some guns or something. Well, it's more unexpected with her, in. though. That's Just thing. rolling up in a tank, going very very slow. Felt <laughs> <laughs> a bit sorry for him.
1: Go faster! But it, we've seen quite a lot of them because I guess they've all taken on their new military, you know, roles since the death of the Queen and things being reallocated. So been quite a few of those going on. Um, Tusk conservation awards as well this week. Always a nice fixture in the uh, in the Prince William calendar. Um, I always remember it fondly because of Kate's amazing dress a few years ago. The pink, it was pink Jenny Packham, was shimmering, lovely, still a favourite. Um, but. Ronnie Wood. Ronnie Wood. Yeah. And he said, uh, so Ronnie Wood, Rolling Stones, legend, he said, uh, of his conversation with William, we were talking about the tour and I said, come on, you've got to come out on tour. We were talking about the new album and everything. William said he would he would come if we could get Taylor Swift there.
0: He probably only wants to get tickets for his daughter to be dad of the year. That's uh,
1: I know, come on, everyone's a Taylor Swift I fan. Mind going
0: to the, to, to the Swift gig to be fair.
1: But what I had for, totally forgotten was that he sang with Taylor Swift and John Bon Jovi did, back in yeah, 2013 did, yeah. at a charity fundraiser. Yeah, a bit
0: awkwardly, but you know,
1: well, enough, I mean, sort of put on him wasn't being it? put on the spot like that is and. If you've got to sing with Taylor Swift and John Bon Jovi, you're going to struggle to match up. I think those are two pretty very
0: much so. epic things.
1: I totally forgot about that. And more recently, obviously, Harry recorded with John Bon Jovi, so he's clearly the uh, maybe he's the bridge that could bring the brothers back together. <laughs> could have a nice little sing along, sing it out. Um I mean, I always enjoy when things uh, get resolved through a dance off. in... <laughs> both daddy's home and the Windsor's how Beatrice oh, uh, got yeah. together with Edo anyway happier happier times um and we've seen Kate out at um the baby bank which yes. is obviously an ongoing ongoing cam- definitely campaign for her
0: Yeah, definitely lots of su- lots of support for that it was f- sort of following on for the shaping us campaign we've seen it in her in her work for very especially around covid your baby banks hugely hugely depleted from people being able to get to the shops and get their all their shopping and donating to the baby banks which is still vitally important and i think that that's something that again kate very very wholeheartedly believes in and um and should be more on the radar because you talk about lots about food banks and sort of dire straits that the country is in more people than ever accessing food banks Uh, but baby banks i mean i can attest as you can as well of the exorbitant cost of and things that babies need to keep them. F-
1: I mean, my husband said says to be fairly regularly. Nobody ever had children to save money. No, I know. I
0: <laughs> but know. there we go. I am well they, are, out, yeah. they are
1: a joy. Um, Charles and Camilla—they've been doing the serious stuff as well. Hosting, you know, Charles was hosting global business leaders ahead of COP, and Camilla, uh, you know, activism around women's safety, which we know is a big passion which of hers.
0: And that is interesting because Charles will be at COP in space. Time continuum. He will be there on Thursday, and um, of course, he was banned from going to COP by Liz Truss. Remember her? Ooh. She was the—I think she was the prime minister for about three hours, and. Um, he lends, I suppose, a a different voice. It's not just the sort of stakeholders, not just the the global leaders. It's actually somebody who has lived experience of dealing with the politicians, the companies, the people who are the naysayers, and that's uh, interesting as to why he will be there. So he's going to be making um, a keynote speech at COP, which is in Dubai this week, and uh, I'm going to be watching it with interest.
1: It's always one of the interesting things about the royals. In some ways, they have more. F- they're not. Tr- they're never trying to get re-elected they have to obviously try and maintain the place and popularity within society but they've not got that sort of slightly short term is this thing going to win me votes or not view and can take a, a slightly longer uh, view on things which is helpful hopefully at times um so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on at COP. Uh, Sophie, as we touched on last week, is away in Colombia. Some nice pictures of her looking at sculptures at the Centre for Memory, Peace and Reconciliation in Bogota. And she's also been, um, again, sort of an area that she has particularly worked in around um, women impacted by armed conflict. So she was meeting some of the women there, in, including survivors of conflict-related sexual violence. So it's kind of like, it's quite a, you know, it's a serious agenda for the Royals this week, while all of this other stuff is sort of yeah, just exactly. swirling that's, around. Yeah,
0: kind of, you know, and the argument goes that Buckingham Palace should be doing more to push Sophie and what the work that she's doing. They aren't doing enough on that. So you ask us why we don't report on it enough, it's because Buckingham Palace don't push it. And I think the, the focus is very, very much on the King and Queen and the Wales is. And Sophie's doing some fantastic work. She's been to... I mean, just look at where she's been recently. Was she in Kenya, Somalia? And she's been in Iraq, and she's now in Colombia. And so she, it's... um. It's, it's something we should be talking a bit more of.
1: Well, we always like to talk about safety, so we'll, so we'll keep doing that. Um, what else have we got look, to look forward to, Russell? Anything you can tell well, us about? Well,
0: cops certainly, and there's a couple of things next week, but they are embargoed and I, I can't, uh, can't speak about them for pain of death.
1: All right, well, I should look forward to speaking to you about them in a couple of weeks, assuming you are still alive and haven't managed to uh, perform royal transgressions and end up in the Tower of London before then. Um, but this is a really momentous episode, listeners. The rest of them might like, cry in a minute. Um, Dan Jackson, lovely Dan Jackson, our producer, is leaving us.
0: He is, he's banding his ship.
1: So do you know something? Well, so he he has been here from the very start. It's nearly, si- I mean, it's nearly six years I've been doing oh, this right, thing. Right. And it's nearly six years that Dan has been putting up with me doing this thing. I mean, it, you know, if you'd been in it from I mean, the I'm start, would it do it do, there's no own. way he'd <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> so, all of that. But, you know, from the start, we were in a, like a tiny little cupboard Recording. Sometimes we're recording in a fashion cupboard surrounded by dresses. And, you know, back in the day, we started with Victoria Murphy and Amber Grafland, And there's been so many other lovely people that we have met along the way. We've covered births and marriages and deaths and a load of right royal rumpus along the way. Um, And Dan also managed to tip the whole studio into his bag just before lockdown and keep us going all through the pandemic, um, which was, I I don't know. He always found a way. To get the podcast out, even the week when uh, the only way Zoe, uh, Zoe Fawcett and I could record it was by sending each other WhatsApp voice notes. He had to stitch the whole thing together and he still talked to me afterwards. So he has always found a way. Um, we will miss him a lot. I'm sure he won't miss our chaos too much but um, maybe he should head off and look after Sophie and Edward's social media accounts and be their PR he's manager a, he's
0: just leaving as well as we've we've managed to do some flawless and seamless uh, episodes where he hasn't had to do much editing well nearly apart from this one where there's
1: one wide <laughs> edit hopefully we'll be able to get rid of Russell's clang that he did when <laughs> Sorry. he got overexcited and banged the microphone yeah, so Dan thank you for putting up with us we will miss you an awful lot um, thanks for everything you have done um Russell, thanks for joining me. Enjoy your week off and look forward to Well no it's not a week, a week off week off, week off week from off me. From you. No, it's week always a joy. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay. I'm fine. Fine. Um I will see you in a couple of weeks. Listeners, thanks for joining us as ever and see you on Instagram at PodSafe. Keep up with all of the, the Royal News with Russell on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week and Instagram as well and on the telly and in the newspaper and on his newsletter. Make sure you're signed up for that one to get your bulletin straight into your email once a week and with the royal headlines in between as well. But that's it for this week. So until next time.
0: God save the king!